Thank you, thank you. Cool. Um, so I'm excited to be doing this. I've been preparing for a while, and so I'm looking forward to sharing some of this stuff with you. I'm looking forward to seeing how the Holy Spirit uses this time to teach you something new, maybe, to make you rethink um, how you think about the zeal. And so that's kind of the interesting thing. Uh, you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, like, well, why zeal? Or you might be thinking, what is zeal? You know, what's, what's the deal? Why is, why is David going to talk about this? I'm going to get into all of that. And um, hopefully it will be helpful to you. We're going to be talking about some practical tips and handy things to carry with you concerning zeal, what zeal is, how we can obtain it, and um, all that great stuff. I'm going to start with a video, and so we're going to watch that. And so, yeah, we got the light. Yeah, there we go. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, we're going to watch that video right now. Uh, the end of the semester soon. We're gonna have finals. Uh, 
I'm doing okay. Uh, and I, th I think a lot of people feel this way. So it made me wonder, why do so many people feel this way? And um, more specifically, why do so many Christians feel this way? And I think that's kind of something that I was thinking about. There's kind of this idea, culturally almost, that if somebody is religious or has some sort of faith, that they kind of live a, a less than stellar, kind of Eeyore-ish life, so to speak, you know? And um, I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight that that is not, does not need to be the case. I think a lot of people live that way, but I don't think that's what God has in, in store for us. So we as followers of Christ have more than enough reason to feel a sense of zeal, to find momentum in zeal, and to move forward in zealous action. I'm going to go ahead and pray now, and uh, we'll get right into the rest of what I have to say. Father, thank you so much for um, bringing each person here. You have a plan in store for each one of our lives tonight and for the rest of our days. So I thank you for all that you're doing within us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us. And thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. And um, God, you've given us so much to be zealous for, so much to find joy in, and so much to um, strive after just in a way that pleases you, in a way that glorifies you, and uplifts us as we continue in life um, day to day. In your name, amen. And so um, to start out, I'm going to talk a little bit about my story. Um, I grew up in a church setting. Um, I committed my life to Christ pretty early on, but it's taken me a long time to understand the role of zeal in my life, in a believer's life. And because I, guys, I'm not naturally zealous. Uh, I'm not naturally joyful or diligent. It's, um, that's just something that I can kind of tend to struggle with. And some of you might have experience with that, you know, side of me <laughs> or not. Um, and that less than zealous side, but um, as I've, one thing I have noticed is that I grow in love for and knowledge of Jesus, my, I find greater zeal, okay guys? And that's just um, what I've experienced, and also this is some stuff that we can find in the Bible, what it has to say about it, and we're going to talk about some of that stuff. And so, this is also a subject that I've become really drawn to just over the past few months, um, I, think, I think a lot of our spiritual problems that we face can be solved through an unstoppable zeal that comes through knowing Christ more. So um, I'm going to start with these three elements of zeal. And so the first one is delight. All right, delight. Got that blank up the, at the top there. Three elements of zeal. Is, the first one is delight. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want that to sink in for a little bit. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. For, for some context, this is um, in Psalms. It's a, it's a song or a, or a prayer, perhaps, of the psalmist who is t telling this to God. This is his relationship with God. All right? And so... I feel like I don't know enough people who have a relationship with God like this. It's truly challenging to find followers of Christ who feel this way about God. And that's something that is disheartening, to say the least. And so that's something that has been on my heart a lot recently. And trying to understand, you know, just how we can get to deeper levels of joy and deeper levels of zeal in our relationship with God, even on an emotional level where we know him better. And so 
It starts with Jesus. In Philippians 3, 8, this isn't on anything, but it says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This is the Apostle Paul. Um, this is a book that um, he, was, he was writing under pretty dire circumstances. And um, he's so joyful and he's so full of zeal throughout the book of Philippians. And he says this thing in chapter 3 that's so significant and it so challenges me in my walk with God where he says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Of knowing him. Not to experience eternity with him and not to be filled with some awesome, just like, pleasure or whatever. It's a really fun time all the time. I'm going to be in heaven forever. But just the, just the worth of knowing Jesus. And so that's where I think we all need to start. That's where every one of us started in here who has a relationship with Jesus. We started with Jesus because he did all these things for us. He died for us. He came down for us. And, um, and just knowing him intimately through prayer, through the word, and through many different ways, guys. We, uh, we can find deeper joy just by knowing him. And that's what Paul's talking about in Philippians. And then uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's Philippians 4, 4. Now, always means all the time. And full means all of you, all of yourself, totally. And so all the time, we want to be totally filled with the joy of the Lord. And that's, that's a powerful thing. And once again, it's something that challenges me because I don't, I don't find myself doing that as often as I should. And so, and also note, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. This is a command. It's an imperative statement. He's saying, always do this. And this is not a burdensome command, you guys. This is not, You've got to do this in order to get to heaven. You've got to, you know, check off all these boxes of a religious. This isn't like that. Um, it's about just understanding the joy of knowing God and knowing Christ. And as we do that, he supplies us with more joy. He gives us the strength we need to face the things we have to face in life and uh, all these different things. And so this isn't something that we need to feel the weight of. Guys, but we just want, we need to just bask in the love of God and the joy that we receive from God. And He gives it to us. We don't need to just muster it up as if we've got to like hold our breath in for as long as possible to have as much joy as possible. It's not like that. And we're, we're to just experience it. And we experience it just by, by knowing Him and by understanding just everything He does for us. And so, for each of the three elements, I'm going to go into a zeal killer for that particular element. For the, so the zeal killer for de delight is losing touch with Jesus. Losing touch with Jesus. <coughs> Revelation 2.4 says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And so that's Jesus. He's talking to a church. Um, in, in the book of Revelation, and uh, he's t telling them some pretty good things that they're doing well, but he has this one complaint against them. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Another way of putting this other translations say that you've lost your first love is the way that it's, it's sometimes put. And so what that means is when we come to Christ 
for the first time and receive him in his gospel. Um, we experience him for the first time and we, we give our life to him and we, we understand that love that, um, that he has for us. But if we forget about it, then we lose that first love. Um, a, a crazy popular John Piper quote is really important for this. It says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. There's a lot of theology that he has to say about that, and it's all very great. It's from a book, uh, Desiring God. It's, uh, I'm reading it right now, so it's like a really challenging thing. So he says, God is most glorified in, in us when we are most satisfied with him. And that does not mean that we can just do whatever we want. It is not a free pass to just have fun and to, to have whatever grain of the time we want to, but as we have take our satisfaction in him, our satisfaction in knowing Jesus. That's where we achieve not only the greatest joy, but it's also the greatest way that we can please God and glorify Him. And as we glorify Him, that feeds into our joy. And it's the cycle of, um, of joy and glorifying God. Joy and glorifying God. It's, it's great. And so, and also note, I've experienced this in my life. Some of these things I still have to deal with is there's things in your life and even sin that is it's fun, guys. It's, it's, it feels like it satisfies us, right? Um, but none of those things, the sin that, you have, that you're dealing with right now, that's fun, that you keep coming back to, doesn't compare to satisfaction in Jesus, all right? And that's something worth remembering, and that's something worth you know, taking to the bank. And so, as far as losing touch with Jesus and really making sure that, that doesn't happen, um, the way that I need to do this and the way I do this is consi consistently refreshing your perspective. And, and I do this by going back to the gospel. You have to go back to the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself. And so I need to get, you know, just to myself and understand for myself that I'm a sinner and there was nothing I could do to save myself, but God extended his own grace to me by sending Jesus to die on my place. And that's very good news. And so that gospel is what drives this whole, you know, shit. <laughs> and so, um, but that's something that we need to keep coming back to. Because if we lose sight of that, if we lose touch with Jesus and the gospel, then we lose touch with joy. Alright guys? We lose touch with delight in Him. And so that's the first uh, element. The second one is devotion. The next blank there is devotion. Titus 2.14 says, um, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So our emotion toward God and our love for God and our joy um, needs to be followed up with some momentum and devotion to him and a commitment to follow him and to get to know him better, practically speaking. And so um, Dawson Trotman, he's a super famous, um, he started the Navigator's Ministry, which is, um, we have a lot of things that are part of our ministry that sort of take from, from that. And uh, Dawson Trotman said, emotion is no substitute for action. So as we experience the emotion and the joy of knowing God, we need to put it into action because there's no substitute for that. We gotta put it into action through our words, through our deeds, and through the way that we get to know God. You know, we do that through the word, through fellowship with others, through prayer, etc. 
1 Peter 3.13 says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? I got another quote for you guys. It's by Jerry Bridges. He wrote this book called The Pursuit of Holiness. And he says, Joy not only results from a holy life, right? But there is also a sense in which joy helps produce a holy life. So as we experience the joy and the delight talked about in that first element, there's a sense where that transforms, if it is genuine, it transforms into action and a holy life that is, um, that is you know, a reproduction of what God did in, in your heart. And so we want to be consistent, um, cutting corners in our disciplines, cutting corners in the way that we uh, fellowship with others and uh, the way we fellowship with God, that's going to lead to a lack of zeal in our lives. And so if you know that you need to get into the Word with God, and you want to, and you know you should like memorize verses, you know you should pray, if you are um, cutting corners in those areas, then you're going to experience frustration there, because you're not going to be obtaining the zeal that God wants for you. And so um, the zeal killer in this instance is losing touch with fellowship. Losing touch with fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 is a really important verse on the, on the basis of fellowship. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then um, another verse that speaks to this is 2 Timothy 2, 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22. And so, going back to Hebrews, you know, we need to make sure that as we are abounding in the love of God and getting momentum and a passion for Him, um, we need to make sure that we are connected with the body. And, and because when we disconnect from each other and we neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, um, we don't, we're, we're unable to continue in that passion in the way that we used to. And so we really need to make sure to, to lock arms with each other and um, the rest of the body of Christ because that's what God's designed to help us in our joy, in our zeal, and in our walk with Him. So that's really important. And so in my experience, it's, it's easy to withdraw over time. And, you know, that's something, honestly, I can tend to be sort of uh, solitary, or you know, I, I'm not like someone who's super social. It's another part of my lack of zeal in my life, naturally. But um, it's really important for me and for all of us to continue in fellowship and to continue to uh, hold each other accountable in certain ways. We just need the help of the body of Christ in order to continue in zealous devotion. And so I need to remind myself to rely on my spiritual family, to encourage each other, to spur each other on. So that we can continue in that passion and momentum and uh, devotion. And so the third element is diligence. Diligence. Romans 12 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Romans 12 11. And so. I only gave you part of the Dawson Trotman quote, and so um, I think it's important that I continue on to the rest of it. I did it on purpose. It says, emotion is no substitute for action. We know that. Action is no substitute for production. 
and production is no substitute for reproduction. So what does he mean by that? Reproduction, that's a weird word. Uh, but when he talks about that, he's saying that as we are active in the faith, we want to make sure that we produce. So that's the first thing is production. And um, that means bearing good fruit, you know. We want to make sure that we bear good works for God. And then reproduction has to do with discipleship. It has to do with reproducing um, imitators of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ, is what Paul says to, um, to the church in Corinth. And so, as we are moving forward um, in our delight in God, and as we devote ourselves to God through fellowship and through um, getting into the Word and all these different things, we need to make sure that there is a diligence there to do the good works that God is, has designed for us to do, for each of us to do. A part of that means the Great Commission. It means going and making disciples of all nations. And so each element of zeal, like I said, it just leads into the next. So we experience joy, we, we move into devotion, and then we can understand better how to, to serve God and to follow God over the course of life. Um, by making disciples. And so um, the zeal killer in this instance is losing touch with the Great Commission. Losing touch with the Great Commission. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. And so we want to make sure that we are a worker of God who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We want to handle it all for ourselves, and we're getting that we're getting a good dose of God's truth and God's word in our life, but we also want to have an outward focus that is focused on this world, making sure that um, this lost world can, in whatever ways we can offer, um, be more and more devoted to Jesus and more, fall more and more in love with him. And so we want to push others toward that as well. And so part of um, losing touch with the Great Commission, or trying not to, is to remind yourself. It, it's a, the Great Commission is great, you know? And so uh, in my experience, my zeal has been truly realized by an understanding that I'm living to make disciples. And that was a big piece of the puzzle for me when I was sort of moving along and I was getting into the college sphere and um, coming, to, coming to college, freshman in college, I started to dawn on me as I was starting to um, I know, open up to the, to the body of Christ and I was experiencing the zeal that comes from just knowing God and uh, taking joy in Him. And I started to do these different disciplines. I started to realize um, my need to make disciples and just everything that uh, God has put into place for me to be trained to do that and for me to, to want that. That's, that's his desire for me, and so that's something that I want to pursue. So that was a huge reality that I had to, to face at some point, and that's something that I've, I've never let go of or tried not to let go of. And so it's really important that we continue to remember the Great Commission. And so uh, lastly, I have three zeal issues um, to talk to you about. And so, um, got those on there. And so the first one is zeal for the wrong reasons. Zeal for the wrong reasons. Romans 10 verse 12 says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, 
but in this misdirected zeal. Ouch. <laughs> He's talking about real people that have that existed, you know? And that's that's a that's a tough thing for any of us to possibly fall into. And so if we misdirect our zeal, so what does that mean? Um, David Burnett, he writes for um, Radical.net, he has a lot of, probably does other things, but I just saw this quote, I liked it. It says, all the sincerity and passion in the world are not enough if we are not fueled by the truth. And so we want to make sure that our basis for everything that we're doing zealously for God is in truth and is in God's word um, and is in service to the Great Commission and, uh, and knowing Jesus more and uh, seeking to make him known. And so that's, that's the big thing. And so even, even zeal for doing good in the world and for wanting to help people and a lot of great you know, organizations or things we can do with our lives, those are all misdirected zeal if it's not in the name of knowing Jesus and making him known. And so I really encourage you to think about that. The next one is spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. This is an interesting verse. Luke, Luke 10, verse 20 says, um, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So the context here is Jesus. He's talking. And he's saying to these 72 people, so he sent out these 72 people to do some cool stuff in the area. He had his instructions. He sent them out in groups. They come back to him. And they're like, Jesus, we were doing all this amazing stuff. We were casting out demons in your name. That's a, that's a crazy thing. I have not done that. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have, but I have not done it. That's a, that's a big <laughs> uh, thing to have happen to you. And so, but Jesus says to them, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to correct them here, but he does warn them. He says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Don't rejoice that you did all this great stuff and that there's something that you did that was really awesome, um, but rejoice that your names were written in heaven. Once again, he's kind of bringing it back to salvation. He's bringing it back to you know, knowing Jesus. It's all about, you know, our names are written in heaven. That is such good news. And that is something that I didn't accomplish. I didn't achieve for myself. This is something that God and God alone did for, for me and for you. And so, understanding that is a really important part of avoiding spiritual pride. And so, as God fills you with zeal, and he, he does great things through you, don't lose sight of the fact that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing, right? John 15, five, he said, Jesus says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is who bears much fruit. For, this is the important part, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says that to us, and once again, John 15, 5, uh, clear as day. And that's an important reminder, understanding that no matter what awesome things we do, um, we can't make it, don't make it about you. You can't afford to do that, because that will um, just drain you of all the zeal that you're, you know, you're doing so well and passionately. God has some great things for you in your zeal um, if you make sure to direct it toward him and not toward yourself. So the third, um, lastly here, is zeal without knowledge. Zeal without knowledge. Proverbs 19.2. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. Nor to be hasty, you miss the way. Got this right out of the Bible. <laughs> there it is. 
Don't, don't be zealous without knowledge. And so what this means is um, really make sure that while you might be bubbly or excited to do great things for God, make sure that it's based in wisdom or knowledge um, from especially the Bible or from spiritual leaders above you. And so, um, you know, challenge is here. You know, we're, we're here to, to train you. We're here to help you grow in your walk um, for discipleship. And all these things are great tools and avenues for you to um, grow in your zeal, but also grow in your knowledge so that you don't um, be hasty, so that you don't kind of go ahead in a foolhardy way. And so, um, just to kind of finish this up here, um, once again, looking back at Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This first, I, I guess, just kind of sums it up for me, you know, as far as zeal is concerned. Um, never be lacking in zeal. That's, once again, that's a command, you know, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. You want to hold on to you and be excited about pursuing God. Um, and you need to do it in the context of serving the Lord, right? And so the Christian life is exciting. It's not dreary. Um, and so I'm confident that as you're filled with a joy that comes from Jesus, you, you'll experience a passion for God that results in lifelong, purpose-filled obedience to Him.